Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Hey man, as we sing about the, the gospel and what Jesus did for us there, you know, the Bible's full of, of wisdom from God. Have you noticed that? Amen. The Bible's full of wisdom about all sorts of things in life. But if we take out the part about Jesus dying and paying the penalty for our sins and rising again from the dead, all the rest of the stuff is just isn't going to matter, is it? So... So thankful for that and what he's done for us. Well, we're going to start talking about money today. And uh, I looked it up online. So what's the annual personal income for all the people in the United States of America? In 2017, the last year that they had complete figures for, $16.4 trillion dollars. It's the one year's annual income for everybody in the United States. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, 16.4 trillion. Uh, um, but here's the deal. If you would stack dollar bills, dollar bills, okay, to get 16.4 trillion, if you lay this around, you could go around the earth 44 times. You could go to the moon and back two and a half times, okay? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Um, if you say, you know, if you got that money, somebody gave you that money and said you got to spend it in your lifetime. And of course it's too late because you aren't going to have enough time. <laughs> but if you had 80 years to spend this money, you'd have to spend $560 million a day to make $16.4 trillion. That's a lot of money, isn't it? I could, I could probably spend $560 million a day for a few days. Then after that, what would you spend it on? Um, now let me just give you another little insight here. Um, if you make more than $32,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the world. 32,000, more than 32,000, you are in the top 1%. That means you make more than 99% of everybody else in the world. So here's something to say about this. So when the Bible talks about and gives instructions to the rich, and if we look around us in the United States and say, oh, that's not me. But you need to broaden your horizon because we are rich. Okay? We are rich. And so the instructions that God gives to the rich in the Bible most likely have some application to all of us, all right? And so we are uh, starting a, a two-week sermon series here entitled Why God Gives You Money and Why You Need to Give It Away, okay? Uh, today, we're going to focus in on just the first part, Why God Gives You Money. Now, money's one of those subjects that when you talk about it, people get, often get a little bit what? I don't know how you describe it, but a little bit antsy, right? A little bit uncomfortable. Uh, even in just for your private conversations, you ask two personal questions about money and people get, you know, about it. Uh, so money has that effect in our lives. And when, when a pastor stands up and talks about money, um, 
Because of, some, of what we've seen so much of in our culture, I think the tendency is to be like, oh, here we go. I knew it was coming, <laughs> right? I knew he was going to ask us. You know, they always want money. They always need money. How many of you have, have either said it yourself or heard it at some point in your life that, oh, yeah, the church, all they want is my money? We've heard that, right? And um, so there is that tendency. So let me just try to say up front to you today that... Um, a couple of things. One is how we approach preaching the word. I really, really, really try to, to uh, be very careful about ever preaching the word with an, an agenda. In other words, where I have an agenda or we as a church have an agenda and then so then we, we take the word and preach it to, to accomplish that. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't times and places when I look at the church and say, wow, it seems like we have need to hear what God says about something. That's a different thing. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, the distinction I'm trying to make? In other words, I can't say, oh, well, let's see, we, we, we need a little more money, so let's preach on money. No. Um, there is a sense, once again, though, when I can look and say, I think that we don't have a good handle on what God says about money, and the reason I think it is because of the things that I'm seeing and hearing and, and we're experiencing. But so, in reality, when I, anytime I bring the Word of God to you, every Sunday, it's because I really believe that, that we need to know what He says. And we need to know what He says about things that actually matter in our lives, right? Uh, I could probably find some things to preach that, that would be nice and good, and you might feel like, yeah, that's cool, but I don't make the connection between that and my life. But so we always try to preach things that actually do have a connection to our lives, and does money have any connection to your life? Like it affects so much in your life, doesn't it? So many, many things. And so really when we come and preach about money, it's because I really want something for you. And would I like to see our offerings go up? Anybody think, what's the answer? How, do you, how would you predict Walt would answer that question? Would Walt like to see the offerings go up? Yeah, because man, the more offerings we can do more things, okay? Uh, and over the years, I've discovered that when you do preach on money, and people begin to align their, their money with God, offerings do go up. But I really want you to understand what God says so that you can honor Him in your life. And if you respond to Him and do the things that He wants, and God leads you, and you give your money away someplace else, and you're doing what He wants you to do, praise the Lord. It's really not about that, okay? This is about you and something that's really big in your life, knowing what does God say about it? And how do I put my life together in such a way that it honors Him? Okay? All right. So having said that, there's, there's three big truths that we want to uh, start with to understand about money and what God says about it. And the first thing is this, that everything in the world, including us and our money, ultimately belongs to God. Everything does. Uh, Genesis, Abraham, right there in the early uh, records, he says, talks about God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. That's everything, right? And then in Deuteronomy, Moses talking about this says, indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with what? All that is in it. So heaven and earth, all that is in it. And then uh, David says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world, and what? Those who dwell therein. So everything ultimately 
belongs to God. And since it belongs to God, he is the one who gets to decide how it's supposed to be used, right? And so what we need to do is, is to go to the Word and say, God, what do you say about this, all right? So that's the first big truth about money. Uh, and the second big truth about money that I want to really soak in for you is this, that God gives us the ability to make money. It's easy for people to think, you know, wait a minute, that's my hard-earned money. And you know what? If you worked hard to get it, that's true, isn't it? It is. How were you able to work hard? So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. In this passage, it's... uh, Moses is going back over all of Israel's experience in the wilderness, the 40 years that they spent after they left Egypt, and he's, he's reviewing that, and he's preparing them for when they come into the, the land that God has promised them, and he's warning them about things. And some of the things he's warning them about is the, how you look at things. He says, you know, remember what God did for you. Remember how you learned to depend on him. And when you get into the land, don't forget those lessons. And so we go down to verse 17. And he says, Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. All right, so think about that. That means that if you have a great job, who allowed you to have that great job? And may have actually even worked in your life to get you into that great job. God has done that. Who has uh, kept you healthy enough to keep working? God has. Who may have very well brought you into favor with some of the people that you're working with? We see that time and time again how God does that. God did. So that's, we all understand that, yes, we do work and we're supposed to work. God tells us we're supposed to work, right? You want to eat, you need to work. Uh, and so we're supposed to work. But we always need to be mindful that even my ability to work and to make money, that this is from God. It goes back to God. Ultimately, it's all from him. And then the the third basic truth is this, that God gives us the ability to make money um, for his purposes. Let's read the rest of verse 18. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so he says, God is at work in your life. He's provided for you. He's providing for you to be able to work and to provide. And he said, this is because God has things he intends to accomplish in your life. There are things God wants to do, and he's going to do it through your money and through your ability to work. And so, so important for us to remember this. First Corinthians, Apostle Paul says, for what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Now, this passage that he's not talking about money there. He is talking about people and, and, and being prideful and, and, and comparing themselves to others and uh, setting themselves up as their own authority in life. He is talking about that. But that's, that does apply to money, right? So we've already said, anything that you have, if you want to trace it back, ultimately, where to come from? God is the one who has either given it directly to you or who has enabled you to get it. All right? And so you have received it. 
And so if you have received it, he says, why do you boast as though you did not? In other words, well, this is mine. I did this. Uh, and we start to see that I'm the one who, who, who did all of these things. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up as our own authority. We're no longer grateful. We are no longer being submissive to God. And we're going to see before we're done that money becomes a curse when it isn't surrendered to God in our lives. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember Nebuchadnezzar, some of you? He was kind of a crazy man, but yet at the same time, he came to grips with who God was and that God really was the one who was overall and, and sovereign in all these things. But one day he forgot it. And if you remember, it says he was up looking out over his kingdom and says, look at this great city which I have built in my kingdom and my power and my plans and my purposes. And God judged him. And he lost his mind for seven years, thought he was an animal. Seven years later, he finally said he came back to his right mind. And you know what he says? This is all from God. God is the one who has done this. And he talked about how God can humble us. Uh, so even someone who wasn't really a believer came to understand this. All right. So today what we want to talk about, you know, why God has given you money, and there's two major ideas that we're going to look at. And one is that he is, he is, it's, money is part of his provision for us, how he provides for us. But really a bigger thing that God wants to do through money is transformation. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us to be more and more like his son. Okay, and so those two areas. So let's let's start with the provision. And the first thing is this: is that money is one of the ways that God provides for our basic needs. Okay, provides for our basic needs. Now, there's a real important word there in that statement, and it's the word needs. Do you think you ever might have a different idea about what you need than what God? knows that you need. And so when we talk about money being the one of the ways God provides for our needs, what he's also doing is he, he teaches us what's a need, what isn't a need. Now, when my son, oldest son Joshua, pretty sharp kid, when he was little, I don't remember how old he was, maybe four years old, um, riding in the back of our van, and, and we were someplace down here in Worcester, I think headed up or down Park Ave someplace, and, and he knew that there was that place, he recognized Dunkin' Donuts and want, he, he likes donuts, and it must be genetic. And, uh, <laughs> but we were driving, and he's in the, in the backseat, Dad? I said, yes, Josh? And he goes, Dad, I want a donut. Can I have a donut? No, Josh, you can't have a donut. Well, why not? And in typical dad fashion, well, because you don't need a donut. You don't need a donut. Okay. This wasn't very long. Dad, yeah? I, can I have a donut? No, Josh, I already told you, you don't need a donut. We're not going to get one. This happened a couple more times. And finally, it's just quiet for a little bit, and it says, Dad? And I go, yeah? Dad, I need a donut. <laughs> I don't think I got him one anyway. Um, <laughs> But there is this sense, right, this difference between what we really need and what we want. Um, 
the Bible talks about having food and clothing as examples of things that we need, right? We need food to live. We need clothing. Uh, in New England, you probably need shelter. You need a place to live. Um, and you could probably make a case for certain other things that you might have needs of, but let's think about this. Okay, so you have a need for food. Does that mean whatever kind of food you want, that's what you need? No. How about clothing? You have a need for clothing. Does that mean that, oh, what you need is the, the newest styles and what you really want? No, it's what? You need clothing. Same thing with a, a, a house, a place to live. You need shelter. But do you need to have this house of your dreams? Do you need that? You guys say, I don't know. Let me think about that one. <laughs> no, we don't. See, and so uh, this is, you know, God is going to teach us, but he provides us our basic needs. And one of the ways you know what you need is what God has provided. Now, I don't want to say everything you have is something you need. That isn't my point at all. What I'm trying to say is that there have been times and places in my life where we have had what we felt were needs. We're asking God for needs. And he provided, but not in the ways we had thought, not necessarily the way we would have chosen. But God had been faithful and provided what we needed. Now, not uh, only does God provide for our needs today, Jesus teaches, he says, when you pray, what? Pray, God, give us this, what? This day, our day. Provide our needs today. And so I think that there is this bias in there. And yet, God talks about, I mean, if you live another 20 years, you're going to have some needs in 20 years? Sure you are. And it may very well be that God is providing today for a need that's coming down the line. And he actually talks about the wisdom of thinking this way. In Proverbs, he talks about the ant. Take a lesson from the ants. Learn from their ways and become wise. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. So here they are. Winter's coming, right? And there's going to be no food to gather in the winter. So when do I need to gather now? I just answered the question. When do I need to gather? Now. That's right, okay. And so God can very well provide for that. Now, it is so important, and this is a problem for us, is that so we start thinking ahead, which is wise, the Bible says, and we begin to save money for those things in the future. And next thing you know is we aren't depending on God anymore. Right? We're all set. There is this bias, I think, in the scripture, and a bias in a good way, that we're talking about daily needs. Every day we need to depend on him. And if today he wants me to save for the future, he will provide for me today to save for the future. You see the difference? I'm trusting God today. That's where it has to be. We can never, ever let money take God's place in our lives. It is very, very destructive when we do. So money is one of the ways God is going to provide for our basic needs. Now, this next part is important. God gives us money for our enjoyment. That's pretty cool, isn't it? First Timothy chapter 6, he, he challenges people who are rich in this world. He says, trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Okay, so you 
God says, I'm going to provide you with, uh, let's say, clothing. I'm going to provide you with clothing. And he's either enabled you to work for it or he's provided in some way and you have clothing. And it happens to be clothing that, wow, this is nice. I like this. That's the goodness of God, isn't it? Amen. If you're living in a place that, that when you get up and you go, this is cool. I, you know, I like this. That's the blessings of God beyond your basic needs. How many of you are glad that food tastes good? Yeah. Right? Uh, in fact, I've noticed, I've noticed it in, in my mother as she was coming down toward the end of her life and, and others. All of a sudden, food just doesn't taste good anymore and they don't really want to eat and often don't. And then see, I mean, this food tasting. So we go on and on. But God provides for us not just the basic needs, and there may be times in our lives when all we have are the basic needs. But know that God also richly blesses us. He blesses us in things that are good. And so these are the ways he provides for us. He provides our basic needs and he also provides ways and things for us to enjoy. But the bigger thing that he's working with money in our lives is, is beyond provision. It's about transformation. It's about changing us, changing our minds, changing our hearts. And so that brings us to the third truth we want to look at here today, that God uses money to, reve excuse me, to reveal the condition of our hearts. Have you ever seen somebody and been around them, and all of a sudden you realize this person has a problem with money? What? Because what was going on? The money situation did what? Reveal the condition of their hearts and what's going on. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? Now, I, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I know the answer to that. The chicken, because God made the chicken. <laughs> All right? But we, we have that kind of thinking about this issue. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the question is this. Does your heart follow your treasure? Or does your treasure direct your heart? Pretty mean of me to ask you tough questions like this on an icy Sunday morning, isn't it? <laughs> My guess is it's both. That there's, a, there's this ongoing relationship here. And the idea is that whatever my heart is in, what else is probably going to go there? Your, your money, that's right, you know. Which, what really matters to you, you will spend money on. You will save money for. Okay, so yes, uh, where your heart is directing your money. But I would also say to you that if you find yourself struggling with your heart being in the right place, put your money in the right place. And it will draw your heart to it. So I think it's both. But so God uses money to reveal the condition of our hearts. Where is your heart in all of this? I've heard pastors say many times, and I think it's right, you know, and so we have to change analogies. How many of you these days do not use a checkbook? Yeah, more and more people. So I've got to change it now. But that is, if I could somehow rather see your finances, 
and look at it over the period of time, I could probably say what's important to you. What's really important to you, okay? All right, so it reveals the condition of our hearts. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17, same verse we looked at earlier. He tells us, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. And so the idea here is that if, do you think if all of a sudden you had a lot of money, money gives you some sense of power, right, because of what you can do with it? Might you be tempted to become prideful? You don't have to, but I'm saying that, that's a tendency. You run anybody who has money and they think they're pretty hot because of it? Yeah. And so he says, don't be that way. See, money, again, will reveal the condition of your heart. Are you haughty? Are you prideful? He says, no, no, you need to humble yourself and trust God. You've got money now, but trust God. Because those riches, what's the word that describes those riches? Those riches are what? Uncertain. And boy, isn't that true. So true. All right, so he's going to reveal the condition of our hearts. The fourth truth is this, that God uses money to develop godly character in us. He wants to develop character in us. And, and um, obviously one is gratitude. Grateful people are nice people to be around, aren't they? Grateful people are nice people to work with. People who have attitudes that they're grateful. And so the instruction to us as Christians is that in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, have you just lost your job? Do what? Give thanks. And it doesn't have to be, God, I'm so thankful that I'm now unemployed. <laughs> but God, I'm so thankful that, that you are the one who provides for me, and I'm going to trust you. I can trust you as, as now that I've lost my job. All of a sudden, you have this windfall, and then you get a huge bonus at work that you weren't expecting. God, thank you, right? In everything, giving thanks. And so God wants in our money to teach us to be grateful people. Not only grateful people, he wants to teach us to be honest people. Man, you can learn honesty with money because that's a, a, a huge realm in which honesty comes into play, isn't it? All right. In Ezekiel, the prophet was challenging God's people. He says, yeah, you have the law, you have all the right beliefs, you have the temple, you have your religious services, you have all that, but you got a problem. You're not being honest. And he challenges them. He says, use only honest weights and scales and honest measures. And we find that in the realm of our money all the time. I don't remember who it was. Someone was just telling us the other day, talking about a story, how they realized that they had, oh, that's right, they'd gotten credit twice for something. They'd gone and asked for a, something had happened, and they got a credit, and then it turns out it actually showed up elsewhere. And they went back to the place and said, hey, I got this twice. I'm not supposed to get this twice. They were being what? Honest. Now, as it turned out at that point, they said, look, we, we can't, don't have any way to really deal with that. Just you keep it. Doesn't always happen that way. But the idea is being honest, Right? Because who would have known? Yes, but see, so our money, we can learn, use it to learn to be honest. And then one of the really big pieces of character we need to learn is contentment. Contentment. What is contentment? We're going to look at this a passage here in just a minute. Um, but contentment is this idea of being, I have enough. It's not a measure of, well, would you like to have more? 
Yeah. But if I don't have any more, I have enough. Okay? And being content with that. Let's go to 1 Timothy. This is a really, really important thing. If we get contentment right, it will save us a lot of trouble in the area of our finances. 1 Timothy chapter 6, page 1365 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. So Paul has been given real practical instructions about um, how people ought to be living out their faith, what they ought to be doing, what they ought not to be doing. And then he's talking about people who resist that, people who say no to God. No, I want to do my own thing. And they may not say those words to him, but that's what they're doing. He's describing them. And so here in verse 5, he's, that's what he's continuing to do. He says, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. So what's he talking about here? Well, in one sense, there's a, there's a false doctrine, things that are out there that are taught, and that's that if you are right with God, money's coming your way. Have you ever heard anything like that? You know, if, if you are godly, if you are, you know, you're living right, if you really have faith, you'll get rich. That's God's plan for you. And that's what is taught. And I think it's always interesting. That, now, how do we know that you are really godly? Well, because you're going to send $1,000 to me. Have you ever heard something like that? Okay. And so he's warning us about that approach to life. Don't think that if, well, if I live a godly life, I'll get rich. That's not what he's talking about. Okay, He says, don't have anything to do with that. Now, let's look at this. Verse 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. So being godly, pursuing a relationship with God, that living the way God wants me to live, living the way, uh, having my heart lined up the way God wants it, my thinking aligned with his wisdom, godliness, and then with contentment. He says, man, you have something. You've got something that is valuable, something that's going to make a huge and positive difference in your life. And then he continues, verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I mean, they can bury something with you, but it's still going to be right there in that casket, and you are going to be in heaven or in hell, depending on your relationship with the Lord. Verse 8, and he says, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And like I said, probably where we live, you can include a shelter. There might be some other things. But in other words, when we have what we need, we shall be what? When we have what we what? We will be content. See, I have enough. And, and you understand what that, that frees you from so many things that will drive you. And I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but you know when you are not content? Oh man, that's when you make really stupid financial decisions. When you are not content. So let's read on here a little bit. He says, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich. And again, uh, so I, let me ask, it's funny now that I read that, let me ask this question. How many of you would like to be rich? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't mind being richer than I am, right? He isn't talking about that. He's talking about that's, that is what drives me. That is my goal. Did you ever know anybody who just never had enough money? 
Okay. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So if you aren't content, you're headed for problems, aren't you? Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so God has given us this money to learn contentment. However much he's given us, learn contentment. Okay? And that's godly character that we need. The Apostle Paul talked about this in his life in, in, he's, in Philippians chapter 4. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to have a lot and I know how to have a little. And whether I, if I have a lot, I'm what? Content. If I have a little, I'm Content. Well, how in the world can you do that, Paul? Well, the very next verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was really the context of that verse. Contentment. Now, one of the things that contentment will do, contentment will save you from unwise debt. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever or now are have credit card debt because you weren't content? Yeah. Okay. So unwise debt. Now let's talk about what is unwise debt. Um, I have this little um, illustration that I used to me as unwise debt. And I, it's the key test. You have to, to pass the key test, okay? So you got your keys. And here's the deal. If you borrow for something, you know, that has keys, a house, a car, or whatever might have keys like that, if you have to make sure that, well, if I had to, I could hand these keys back and the debt will be paid. Okay? So here's the thing. You, you buy a house. You need to buy a house with enough equity in it that if all of a sudden you were no longer able to make the payments, you could hand it back and the house is worth as much or more than what you owe. We had a whole, in the last generation, people who found themselves upside down, right? And I know things can happen, but I'm talking about decisions we make up front, okay? You buy a car. Most people buy a car. You buy it on, on payments. You take debt on uh, if you drive off the lot and you, you know, then you go back a week later, you know what, I really can't do this, and you hand the keys, they're going to say, oh, well, guess what? Your car is worth $3,000 less than you owe us. Right? So, I mean, you need a much bigger down payment between that and insurance, so that where if all worse comes worse, you hand the keys back, it's paid for. Do they give you keys to a giant screen TV? Do they give you, what? A remote, yeah, okay. <laughs> they give you a remote. Okay, so you give the remote back. But do you understand the idea of this, the idea of the key test, whatever it is, the idea is if you're going to borrow on something, you need to make sure that what you're borrowing for is worth more than you owe. Or you are in debt, and a debtor. And that is unwise debt, and you become a servant 
to the lender. Whole nother subject. But let me so encourage you. But the idea is this. If you will be content, I have enough. And I realize, yeah, I would like to have this. Okay, I can save for this. Or this is a situation where, no, I can buy this because I have enough to put down on it that it's, okay. You guys following the idea? All right. All right, number five. God uses money to teach us about him. To teach us about him. God is faithful. How do we know that? Well, the Bible says so. Yeah, but how do you know what the Bible says is true there? Have you experienced his faithfulness? Well, see, God will use money and our needs to teach us about him. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Um, now, Glenda and I have learned that God is faithful. And in reality, he, he taught, you know, I, I talk about money teaching us things, and it does so much. Early in our lives together, when we first got married and then a year later went off to Bible college, God did some things in our lives, and in the years that followed as well, that taught us these truths about God. Things, truths that still govern our lives today. Things that still affect how we think. By the way, let me say it before I forget it. Money, God will teach you things through money that apply to a whole lot more things about God than money. Because if God is faithful to provide the money I need, maybe he'll be faithful to provide something else that I need. You see what I mean? And money is such a ready and easy place for him to teach us these things. Um, let me just take a quick look here. Yes. So when we got married, and I, I working for General Mills, wasn't making a lot of money, we were making okay, she had a part-time job, and then we moved away to go to Bible college and had to try to, I had to try to find a job and, and to get into school, and we got into school, and I, w I got a job selling pots and pans. How's that sound? It was great stuff. Waterless, greaseless cookware. You only have to buy it once. Oh, I'm sorry. It comes back quickly. All right. And I would, I would leave Friday afternoon after school and, and travel and, and work all day till late Saturday night and drive home and, and try to make it. And boy, by the end of that first semester, we were in a hard place financially trying to, you know, get things paid and get back into school because I had tuition and books and things to get back into school. And during this break in between Christmas and uh, when, I mean, when school started again, I, I went to a, a northern Arkansas town there and I, I stayed there for 11 days. And it was the hardest, one of the hardest times of my life. I didn't like going out and trying to persuade people that they ought to buy cookware. It was an honorable thing. It was a great product, and people could afford it. That's fine. But I just, oh. but this is what God had given me to do at this point in time, and so I was faithful. I, I went and did it. And I, how many of you remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker in the PTL Club? All right. How desperate I was. I turned them on, and they were my best friends for a while. I'm joking, but that's what I felt so, right? Oh, I just, but by the time that 11 days was over, God had opened the door, and I'd sold enough that we caught every one of our bills up to date, including our car payment, which we probably shouldn't have had, and I got back into school. You know, we had times when a check showed up, just in time. Um, 
We had people give us gifts over the years. For years and years and years, I never paid more than $250 for a car. And I raised six kids. We needed a bigger cars. God provided for us in all sorts of ways. Now, now things in our life are different today. Now, if I, you know, I need something, I, God is, I, I can usually go buy or, or be content and wait. But God taught us at those times. And, and by the way, he teaches us more than just his faithfulness. Second Chronicles 16, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And he used money in our lives to do that, to teach us those things. Yes, okay. One time, um, and some of you have heard these stories before, but we felt burdened years ago here in this church about a family who was really in a hard place, and we wanted to give them money, and we really didn't have money. You know, if you look at your budget, that money is not there. And so we said, well, we believe God wants to do it. We talked about prayed about it, and so we put $40 in a card, went to the house and gave him the card and then talked and prayed and encouraged him and laughed. All right, now, today $40 might not sound like anything to you, but that was a huge thing for us. And so we just trusted God and did it. The next day I got up to go to work, walked out of the house, down the house here, headed to my car, and in the front seat of the car was a bag of bread products, uh, Thomas's English muffins, and all this kind of stuff. And man, this is fine for us. And where'd it come from? We don't know. To this day, we don't know for sure where it came from. But we added up the value, and you know what it was worth? About $40. What was God saying to us? Do what I want you to do. Trust me. And so that, that applies in so many areas of life. He shows us his power. He can do these things. My wife, when they were working with the children downstairs here, teaching a lesson, and she's reading the story to them, and the story's about uh, someone who, who had a hundred dollars that God had provided for them. They wanted to give it to a missionary. And it, God just touched Glenda's heart, and she said, Lord, if you gave me a hundred dollars, I'll give it to a missionary. And after the service that day, the treasurer came up and handed her $100 said, somebody put this in the offering for you. And we prayed about it, and then we gave it to a missionary. You see what I'm saying? God will do these things with money. He will teach us these things. He is faithful. He is powerful. And then number six, God uses money to deepen our relationship with him, to deepen our relationship. First, the idea of being dependent, you know, he teaches us to pray. The disciples say, how should we pray? And he says, pray like this. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Depend on me. God will, as we depend on God, we find him faithful and we grow in our relationship with him. Another way that we grow in our relationship with him is he increases our faith in him. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Okay. And then we grow in our relationship with him because he he provides leadership for us, and we learn to recognize that leadership and follow it. Second Corinthians 8 9, the Apostle Paul says, Our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your, your sakes he became poor, that you through poverty might become rich, through, yeah, through his poverty. Huh. We grow to what? We grow to what? Be like the Lord. Though he was rich, he became 
poor, to meet the needs of others. I mean, and we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. We become like him, okay? But so God will use money in our lives to provide our needs and even enjoyment. And then he also is going to use it to transform us, transform us in our character, to reveal our hearts, to teach us about him and to deepen our relationship with him. Money touches a lot of stuff in our lives. I want to leave you with this because it's, it's important for us to get this. And it's really where we got to make our decisions, I guess. Two things that you must never let money become in your life. First one is your security. Do you remember what God told uh, in 1 Timothy? Don't trust in uncertain riches within the living God. If you have a huge bank account, praise the Lord. Don't put your security in it. Don't find your security in it. Wrong thing. Find your security where? Your relationship with the Lord. Second thing is you'd never want to do is, is find your significance in your money. And I know sometimes we grow up and it's the way we grow up and what happens in our families with money and people we know. And it's easy to find that, you know, now I'm significant. Now I, you know, it drives, it's just not. Never find your significance in your money. Where do you need to find your significance? In your relationship with the Lord. See? Never let money take those places. It's an idol when it does. And so here's my challenge, I, I, something, the truth I want to leave you with. Money gains God, money gained God's way and used God's way for God's purposes is always a blessing. Money used any other way becomes a curse and works against you. So this probably haven't been wild and radical ideas you've heard today. But I want to challenge you in your heart to say, okay, God, I want to get my money your way. I want to use it your way. And I want to use it for your purposes and nothing else. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for all that you teach us and so much more we could have looked at today, Lord. But thank you for the grace that you show us even through the money in our lives. Lord, help us to see it all as from you and to be used for you and to honor you in a way and our hearts would honor you in it. All these things that we've talked about today, Father, I pray that, that you would stir us up to look again, to look again at our, our money and uh, give thought to these things. What are you teaching us? What do you want us to do? And I pray, Father, that uh, we will come to these places where we just yield it all to you and go forward honoring you with it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. We'll see you. Thank you for making it in on an icy morning. <laughs>